0: Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris on, uh He's out on soon-to-be snow and ice Long Island. We've got VGK talk. We've got Islanders talk. We've got Kings talk. We've got trade rumors and speculations as we get ready for Lyle Richardson to join us here in a little bit. Uh, today's guest, J.D. Styles. Jeff Duarte is the NHL editor on Cali Sports News. He's going to be here to talk about what's going on with the LA Kings, which, if you're in Kings Nation, hopefully it won't be too depressing of a conversation for you and you can make it through. <coughs> Excuse me, Jeff's a great guest. Uh, we look forward to talking with him as always. So stay tuned. We've got a great show. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, Golden Knights fans, hockey fans and the like. Uh welcome Saturday morning to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're gonna get right to it. Chris, good day to you, sir.
1: Good day to you, and I would say, uh, considering who's on top of the metro, I would my quote the quote Matthew McConaughey is uh all right, all right, all right, all right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. The hottest team in the National Hockey League since December fifteenth on a fourteen and three run over Uh, Under Coach Trotz with a a signature victory on the season last night in Washington, I must say. Um, Well done to the Islanders. But first, let's get to the Vegas Golden Knights and our weekly BGK talk. Um, Coming off the seven-game winning streak, they uh, kind of stumbled a bit. Went two out of three. uh, Beat Chicago. Lose at Winnipeg. Lose to the... Sharks in the losing streak last week. Uh, kind of a lackadaisical effort against Chicago. They came back to get a win out of that. They only played two two games in the last seven days, so the games in hand that they had are starting to be whittled away. Um, tough game in Winnipeg. It's a 4-1 final, but it was real close, 2-1. Gave up a shorty for the first goal of the game. Um, it was Two to one until two net scored, and the Knights really carried play for most of that game. They went, um, I want to say, zero for five on the power play, zero for six, something like that. The one for their last twenty-seven or twenty-eight power play chances. That's zero for six on the power play against Winnipeg. Um, Did have a hundred percent penalty kill, zero for two against, but. if you outshoot someone 44 to 27 and you get six power plays, that should be the recipe for success. So, uh, I know that was one thing you wanted to highlight was that the power play, um, 19th in the league now is something that we need to look at and improve. And during the week they did, there were reports from practice that they were changing up their first and second power play units, getting Brandon Perry involved, um, Colin Miller skating with the second group, I believe, um, the ch- changing things up on the power play a little bit, working on that in practice. And we'll see if that's going to do anything to improve against Pittsburgh tonight. Um, your thoughts on the Vegas week.
1: Yeah. Like you said, I, they were a bit fortunate to win that Chicago game because they came out sleepwalking in the first period and were down yes, to nothing. And we were able to, to, uh, you know, regroup if you will. And, uh, come back and win a game that they should win obviously going to Winnipeg is a tough game Winnipeg was clearly was was the better team that night although they had a chance at the end to try to at least get it to overtime and uh that did, that didn't work out you know one thing i would i would mention over these next couple of weeks is um uh i want to say calgary is up to are they up to sixty nine points now or are they at sixty seven uh
0: sixty seven uh, as
1: okay sixty seven so there's a there's starting to be a little bit of separation between the flames who are in the one spot and you know where the knights are I mean to me, at the end of the day, you know two if they finish either second or third uh although it's nice that know that game seven if there is one in round one would be on your home ice um uh, but it's a much tougher path uh for for the knights if they don't win the division versus if they finish second or third so that's just these next couple of weeks if that separation changes from six or seven points to let's even say double digits uh that's going to be very hard to to overcome by the end of the year but um um yeah there's a there's a big week coming up for them which we just talked about off air they got pittsburgh tonight uh minnesota on monday and then nashville on wednesday so we'll we'll uh we'll have to see how they fare there and Finish up before before the break. My guess is we're going to see Flurry probably all three games. We're Definitely going to see him tonight uh, against Pittsburgh. So, right. um, But yeah, I'm also concerned about the power play. Not so much for the regular season, but come playoff time. I mean, all teams have to uh, you have to have a good power play. It has to be a contributing factor. Teams have lost series if their power playoff series if their power play goes dark in uh in a particular round, you're gonna have a lot of three two kind of games, and um you know you've gotta take advantage of those uh of those opportunities
2: no for
0: sure and when we we talked last week, we talked about the seven game win streak against uh the- quality of opponents that they were were facing was about a forty two percent win percentage with <coughs> excuse me the king's um you the the Islanders win looks pretty good right now, but um, you had Kings, Arizona, Anaheim,
1: Rangers, New
0: Jersey, New Jersey and the Rangers, uh, right? And then you lose to San Jose, who's a top tier team, and then you beat Chicago yep. uh, in a bottom tier team, and then you lose to Winnipeg, who's a top tier team. So you're kind of you're beating the teams that are in front of you. Um, but the, the teams that you need to beat in order to maintain your your spot, like you said, the Flames are starting to create a little separation between the Sharks and the Knights and themselves. Um, so when you bring Pittsburgh in, Minnesota in, and Nashville, that's three really tough games. They're all on home ice. You need two out of three, I would think. <coughs> three three would be great. Two out of three, you right. need to build the confidence against that upper-tier team that you can Um, beat those teams and be competitive and maintain your spot in the standings. Um, With with the separation Calgary had, all three teams now, Calgary, San Jose, and and Vegas, are at the 49 games played mark. So some of that point differential was going to be created. um, They had two or three games in hand over Calgary for the last five, six weeks. So um, Calgary winning those games created that from the the 62-63 points to the 67 points they have now. Um, San Jose with 49 games played there at 63 and Vegas at 60. So the the, the second place, home ice, um, still available. They need to get hot if they're going to remain in the chase for the, the division championship, which would be home ice for the first two rounds. Um, big week, very important week headed into the All-Star break. You want to go in with confidence. You want to go in with momentum, and that's going to start tonight against Pittsburgh. We did have a report and I'm not sure I can't I'm I'm a I'ma put air quotes around this. I think the Peary situation has been resolved now. Um there was right. I know he was sent down and called back on the emergency call up, but I still see four players on the injured reserve list this morning. They didn't see if there were reports that he was sent back on the emergency and then recalled to start the clock on his nine games or 30 days, but he has played his 10th game with the golden Knights this season. So if it wasn't on the emergency recall, well, then he's going to be up for good. And when people start coming off, Riley Smith, Will Carrier, Colin Miller, and Eric Holla, um we don't look to see Eric Holla soon, but any of the other three, Miller, um, Miller, Smith, and Carrier, any of the other three that become eligible to come off um, is going to Force George McPhee's hand to either expose maybe a Lindbergh or somebody to the to the waiver claim and send them down, or make a deal.
1: I think they to, would get. To, I think someone like Lindbergh would get gobbled up by somebody.
0: I I think I think anybody that they would have to send down in that situation, and I think they're handcuffed. I'm, I I believe that if you have a waiver claim you need to keep that player on your on your n h l roster for a certain number of of games or weeks I don't know if you know the ins and outs of that chris
1: not hundred percent sure but uh that kind of makes that kind of makes sense uh and depending upon the player where they're at if they're waiver exempt or not but uh if if someone like Lindbergh – i mean I think if push came to shove to that they would probably trade them for a draft pick, the best kind of draft pick that they could get. That was the road that they were uh, forced to go down. But uh, another thing I want to mention about the Knights is um, we talked last week about, you know, with the trade deadline roughly a month away, uh, you know, what they possibly could be looking for. Uh, an important consideration is uh, currently they have $3.4 million in cap space, which isn't terrible, but it isn't great. I mean, it, to me, that's probably enough cap space. To make one major move or two small moves depending upon the player and you know we know the Knights have been aggressive uh they were aggressive last year aggressive last offseason and reading uh the tea leaves from uh different major media sources a lot of people seem to feel uh they will continue to be aggressive so um, so unless they can move some salary out, uh, we're looking at, you know, maybe adding, let's just say, one good player. And it will be interesting to see, would they target improving uh, the blue line or will they target uh, to add another uh, positive forward? And say, uh, let's say maybe even someone to help out on the power play, another offensive uh, solid offensive oper- uh, player, and one who could help on the power play.
0: Yeah, I think you're looking to build that third line, right? Because
1: um,
2: yeah, when
0: when Riley Smith comes back, you've got you've got seven players who could be in that top six, um, counting Perry. So, I mean, if Riley Smith comes back, right wing first line, and they keep that together, then Perry goes down to the left wing on the third line with Eakin, and then. It, it, you'd really like to get a little more production on the right side. I know they like Carpenter because he's he's a little bit more physical than than you would think, but I, I would think that the fourth line is pretty set with between Carrier, Nosick, Belmar, and Reeves. That's um and they've been moving um Nosick up into that third line position. So I mean really I I'd like to see Eakin, Nosick and Piri Skate together for a while. I mean, we do have a little bit of time before the trade deadline, but I'd like to see Smith healthy, the first line. The second line, obviously, Pacioretty, Stastny, and Tuck. And then I'd like to see Peary, Eakin, and Nosick skate together for a few games and see what chemistry that line can build, if it can turn into – because Nosick does have a, have a nice set of hands when he's he's around the net. He can not finish. He can not score. Um, I, I'd like to see that line – Skate together for a while before you decide to improve that. Um, but as as you mentioned, and we'll head off into uh, buyers and sellers here. Come the trade deadline in a second. There's not that many defensemen, and and the Knights' defense um, they're only, they're eighth in the league in goals allowed. So um, I, are you looking for another puck mover? And you have you have Miller and Schmidt foremost in that. Um, or another stay-at-home guy when you have McNabb holding and maybe take some minutes from England. Um, you're going to have to give something to get, obviously, but um, I think the pieces are all there where you don't have to move those. I mean, we talked last week about the, the three draft picks they have. I think they're three-thirds in next year's draft, right? Yep. Um, right. I, I I think you got to use those picks. I don't... Um, I'd like to see with that a uh, healthy ride well, they haven't been healthy um skating as, as a top nine now now that Perry's in um all season long. So I, I'd like to see a good stretch of games after the all star break and maybe maybe that's what we'll see after the all star break where you can finalize what you're doing. Um see if see if Carpenter or Lindbergh or No is really gonna want to grab that spot with Perry on the left wing and he can play in center. Um, I think those are the three players in question, really. Um, I, I, I love No. Six Game. Um, Perry's obviously there to stay. Um, so you, Carpenter and Lindbergh are going to have to be fighting it out to see if they're if they're traded, and they look to bring in a bigger piece for that third line right wing slot. I think that's the only spot really um, that they're going to be looking to upgrade if somebody is available.
1: And that's kind of we can jump into our around the league segment in terms of the sellers, which um, you know to me there's right now I would say there's five teams that we can say for sure, six maybe six teams. Let's leave the Kings aside for now because we're going to talk uh, in depth with JD in a few minutes. Uh, But when you look at it, uh, particularly in the Eastern Conference, uh, the, the Rangers, the Devils, the Red Wings, the Senators, and the Flyers. And, you know, you you pick out the theme here. You know, the Rangers, uh, you know, Kevin Hayes, Zuccarello, Chris Kreider, New Jersey, Marcus Johansson, Brian Boyle, Ben Lovejoy, Detroit, Nyquist, Vanek, Cronwell, Jimmy Howard, Ottawa, Stone, Duchesne, uh, Dingle, and Nielsen, and Philadelphia uh, Simmons. And what rings true here is most of those, you know, big names, if you will, they're almost all forwards, you know. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, Lovejoy, uh, the Kings again aside because they have a couple of defensemen. I that are a much different class. Uh, but you know, you know, when you're looking at Lovejoy and Crom- Cromwell, Cromwell, um, yeah, they can help somebody out and improve their third pairing kind of thing. But all those other players are really forwards. So, uh, and, and in fact, it might also really up the asking price for for Ben Lovejoy or Nicholas Cromwell And all the players, by the way, I just mentioned, other than Chris Kreider, are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. So uh, none of these teams, uh, unless they go on a ridiculous run, are going to be in the playoff mix. And you're going to be reading a lot of rumors about, uh, which you have already, about these guys. And I would... I would expect uh, just about all these guys to get moved by the deadline. Um, you know, there's a lot of them who could definitely help out Vegas, but, you know, again, it comes back to asking price, right, how, how much do they want to go uh, deep, uh, deep into the cupboard?
0: I'll tell you of that list who would fit uh, pretty sweet on that Perry Eakin line is Wayne Simmons. A uh, big fan of his game. Uh, yeah. He's going he's gonna to be uh, a rental cost um for a yep. player like that, I I might dip into one of those those third round picks and move a Lindbergh or a Carpenter the other way. Um
1: I don't to know what's going You've got to figure that the, the asking price for for Simmons from the Flyers is either gonna be one or two things. It's either gonna be a first round pick or it's going to be a second round pick and not a super duper blue chip prospect, but the wrong below that, like a really, really good prospect um you have to figure that would be the asking price and I think there's going to be en- there's going be enough teams in the fray, both in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference who think they can you know go for the cup or or uh really get far in the playoffs that you know, I would be surprised if they didn't get a first rounder for him. To be honest with you, because he's seems a little very steep unique. Meet. It is. It is. It's it steep. It's for a rental. It is steep. But keep in mind, the Bruins gave up a first rounder last year for Rick Nash, as an example. Teams do do it. Uh, I, and I'll tell you this: I, I I think the Bruins would give up their first round pick again uh, for Simmons. They did it last year with Nash. I think Simmons is a better is a better version, a younger version. Um, they desperately need a, a player they can put him in his top six. Um, it, it is, but he's he's unique uh, compared to the other guys because what else he brings uh, to, with his physicality as well as his goal scoring. Um, but yeah, that would be it. That would be it, and they get a rental, so that's always. And he she probably will get paid very well in July one. So. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh it's the kind of move where getting a Wayne Simmons if you're Vegas, right? And let's say just for argument's sake, the asking price it is your first rounder. Um,
2: I you know, like that it. move
1: could be the difference, that move could be the difference between losing in the first round and having a long playoff run or dare I say even better than, you know, the ultimate goal or you could fall flat in your face, and the you know it doesn't make a difference. You're losing the first round anyway. I mean that's why they that's why George McPhee gets paid the big bucks, right?
2: Yes, sir. Uh, that's a tough <laughs> call.
1: That's a. I understand why you don't like it. I'm a I'm a big and they've traded a lot of future away. We've talked about that, it the last 12 months.
0: Yeah, the first round picks that they haven't used. Um, I, I think you have to keep that at all costs for this coming up draft, just to, just for depth in the in the franchise.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I hear. You. I, I I would I would venture to say, look, let's you know, if nothing else, why can we trade one, our second round pick and get Brian Boyle, who a lot of people are going to want because the guy's a pure winner. Love he Brian do Boyle. So many. Yeah, and he could do. He there's going to be a big market for him because yeah. he he could just slide in and he's a winning player. He can give you secondary scoring. He's a leader. He's been into you know, he uh, uh, played huge playoff games both with Tampa Bay and the Rangers. It'll be a big market for him. I mean, I think it's going to cost a, uh, a second rounder plus. I think I, I don't think it will cost a first rounder for him unless somebody panics uh, and they feel like they have to have him at all costs. Um, I think it's going to cost probably cost a second rounder plus, meaning a second and a third or a second and a good prospect. So he won't come cheap either. Um, yeah, but maybe, like I said, maybe some of these other players uh, could, someone could fit along the way. Or maybe you take a chance on, like, a Marcus Johansson who's played a little bit better lately, who has a resume, and you catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle and he can help you out for that third line role kind of thing.
0: You know, Ottawa's got uh, big big decisions on where that franchise is, is headed. Um, almost you know, you, uh, on on the list we have here, you don't have Columbus there as being sellers, but I, I'm still on the on the side of the fence where um, Bobrovsky's got to get moved, and they've been riding Corpasalo. Yeah, He's I, been playing really good, and I think you got to move Panarin too. I'm sorry, but um, it, it just
1: I don't think <laughs> they're gonna move Panarin. I think they I think you I think they're gonna try I think they're gonna move Bobrovsky in a hockey trade. I think that's uh, what I they're think, gonna do.
0: I, I agree with that. I think I, they're going I don't know to be re- back for that.
1: I don't know. See, I don't know. Where, where are they going to move Broboski to? It's got to be a team who's looking to do something now, I would think. And I, of, the, of the teams who are contenders, it's hard for me to – unless it's an injury, right? Unless it's a big injury to a goalie. Um, um, and that opens up a, opens up a door. Uh, I I would be. I'm looking forward. We're gonna have an. I think first week of February, Mark gone. I would be shocked if they trade Panarin unless the team fell flat on its face. I really don't think they're gonna do that.
0: I don't think they're gonna fall on their face.
1: I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. They're gonna roll the dice, and I I think they probably believe, especially if they can finish in the top three in the in the Metro, which you gotta like their chances. That they think they could probably get to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, believe it or not, and be the team that comes out of the Metro, and they're not going to be able to do that if they trade Panarin. So I I I understand what you're saying. You're looking at the big picture. This is also franchises never won a playoff series, and it's had a number of really good teams. And believe it or not, they've been around now. What is it? Almost 20 years.
0: Yeah. A little 2000- longer. Two right, they came into the league, I believe. Right, right, They came okay, in with so Minnesota, right?
1: Yeah. So it's a long time.
0: It is uh, a long time. I, I don't
1: think that. It is. That's
0: why it, it if they have teams. a belief, they've had
1: good teams.
0: Oh yeah, last year, last year especially, probably their best chance to win a yeah. playoff series, and um, for whatever reason, didn't get it done. Um, that's yeah. why I think if they have a belief that they, depending on what they do, blah blah blah. Um, Home ice in the first round It didn't mean anything um, A couple other times And they had a chance Last year on home ice to close Washington out And didn't get it done I think if they believe that they can make A a push to the conference finals Or beyond I think it's a misguided belief Um, You got to get what you can get for Panarin I I think um, I think you could get Quite a bit for him
1: Uh, No, I agree with you, but my gut tells me that's. I mean, again, I'm just going based on my gut. My gut tells me they're not going. They're not. They're not, unless they unless they go through some hard times between now and the trade deadline. I mean, I wouldn't be. I mean, they would be smart to investigate what's the market value, right? If they could quietly find out, like let's say three teams say, "We'll give you our first round pick, plus our this blue chip prospect," right? Uh, and you find out, okay, I could do, I could do this deal with this team or this deal with this team. Now I know the market value. And if it's something like, wow, that's a great deal for us, that's going to be the balancing act. If they walk away from that and say, you know what, that's that's good, but it's not great, then there's no way they're going to trade him. I think it would take something for them to move him, which they would be, they would be in love with, but yeah. it would hurt them I, for this yeah. year
0: are going
1: to be called. No doubt about it. Yeah, so uh, you know we'll we'll uh, we'll have to, but it's interesting. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more from a King's perspective in a couple few minutes. But uh, yeah, so real quick, I mean, it's uh, I mean, I wish I had a, a ticket at the uh, at the casino for the Islanders being in first place Martin Luther King Jr. weekend in the Metro. Oh, yeah. I, I think I could have gotten a few. Pretty good odds on that, sir, at, at the at the be, at the beginning of the year. And uh, look, I can tell you this: it's this, as we've talked about a little bit along the way. It's it's Barry Trotz, bringing structure, the players playing in that structure. But I think what's gone under the radar is and the Islanders' secret weapon this year, and it's something they've had but haven't taken advantage of, uh, is their depth. And you know, Trotz is playing four lines of forwards three lines of defense, I mean, splitting up the time, and everyone's playing. I mean, yes, they reunited the quote-unquote best fourth line of hockey with Matt Morton coming back this summer. But, you know, that line, um, that line plays between 12 to 14 minutes a night. I mean, so, I mean, it's really, I mean, to say it's like a fourth line is really not doing its justice because most NHL teams' fourth lines play, like, what, somewhere between six, maybe nine Mm -hmm. minutes at best? yeah yeah the Islanders' fourth line plays like thirteen fourteen minutes and and both Clutterbuck and Fazekas kill penalty so um yeah I think that's been their secret weapon and how about this stat uh the Islanders have eight players with at least ten goals. I mean, how many teams can say that? This to go back to the point of of depth. uh so it's it's been a real fun. Thing going on, they seem to be really, you know, getting getting better. Last Saturday when we on, they had a disappointing loss against the Rangers in the afternoon, and since then they've won four games in a row, including big wins over Tampa Bay and Washington. So, I uh, got two games left before the break. They got Anaheim at home tomorrow a- afternoon, and then they go to Chicago. So, uh, it's just been never in my wildest dream. I thought they would be competitive this year a lot more so than most people thought, still not a playoff team, but competitive and heading in the right direction. Uh, I didn't see this come.
0: No, and I, I got some numbers off NHL Network uh, this morning. I wanted You've got December 15, 17 games there, 14-3-0, averaging three point two nine four, one point eight two 1.82 against, power play over 20%, 208 Penalty kill over eighty percent, eighty one point eight. Um it's a pretty good combination. It should yeah, yeah. a team with those a team with those numbers should be on top or close to the top of their division.
1: Yeah, I know. they like I said, they and you know what's the other thing is um uh they I I, I was a fa I've always been a he had a terrible year last year, just like the rest of the team and Thomas Grice. Leonard's a guy who a lot of people touted as a talented guy. He in spurts showed he could be a number one goalie, but never really kind of put it all together, again, playing for bad teams. But the combination of the Islanders playing with strong defensive structure from top to bottom, the new goalie coaches uh, helping those guys get to their potential, and the fact that they basically, you know, for the most part, I mean, maybe one guy during one stretch has played more than the other, but they, when you look at the game's play, they've pretty much split the game's between Grice and Leonard, so to keep everyone fresh, uh, they've gotten and they've gotten terrific goaltending. I mean I I you it's been maybe one or two games this year where the the, the 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 Leonard or Grice has not played well. I mean they've given their team a chance to win every single night.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and Grice in Net last night was pretty good. Some there were uh quite a few odd man rushes the other way, and that's gonna happen when you play Washington. Um but the uh, Four or five saves that I recall that, that could have easily been um Alexandro Ovechkin from the left circle goal that we've all seen hundred fifty thousand times now. Yeah. Um right. and, and Grice had come out to the top of the crease, came a came 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 above the above the crease, cut down the angle, and was already squared up before uh Ovechkin got a shot away and there's a a, a kick save on the far side on Burakovsky I think on a breakaway that he stopped um and and uh again on on, uh, Eye on Isles FS you guys can find Chris's Islanders content not a while back you had written an article about that the Isles need to re-sign Robin Leonard now and that that article seems to be a little um premonition of, of what they did that that was right i think either at or just before the winning streak started um and and with that tandem in goal i i think this isn't well and with lamarillo creating a culture that he does he brings instant respectability of course um trots obviously brings instant respectability especially off the of stanley cup campaign um and and buying into that team structure, the, the most impressive number that uh, that I saw was that the uh, 1.82 goals against with basically the same roster that was horrible defensively exactly. last year. So to not, get to... I
1: know JD's going to be on. Not, they were not just the worst in the league last year. <laughs> Their numbers were the worst in the league in the last decade last year. Yeah, I, so to I was go being from kind. that <laughs> yeah, and to go from that to number same one in personnel. the league, same
0: personnel. Same personnel. the same
1: personnel, with, with, other than you, you flipped Pollock to, to Leonard. Okay, so that yeah, you know, that's all right. Maybe it's a little bit of an upgrade. Whatever one wants to think, or it's the same. Right. Whatnot. It's about the same. I mean, it's just. I mean, it really goes a long way of uh, of just how incredibly good Trotz is, and and how his system's about winning hockey games why one of the all-time coaches. I agree,
0: I, and then the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is when you were in, uh, you went to the December seventh or December thirteenth Vegas Golden Knights yep. Islanders game, and, you, I, I believe that week we were talking about Matthew Barzal, and he had had a, a slow start, but you were right. very encouraged. You were very encouraged in that game. You could see see the 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 wheels starting to to roll and. And the system starting to click, and the game starting to slow down for him again. And he's been on a tear um, during the yep. last 17 games too. Talk about Matthew Barthol and and how he, the team kind of is is riding along him offensively too.
1: Yeah, I think he. I think at the beginning with the structure responsibilities from Traxa system, he he might there might have been a little bit for lack of a better term, I won't say indecision, but you know things don't come. Second like nature to you, it takes a little bit of time learning a new system, and then it's new coaching staff, and then also, too, from the standpoint of the pressure of when Tavares leaving as a young player, he might have been putting too much pressure on himself. Plus, for any second-year player this, who's had yeah. a big first year, there's always that pressure. To, so with all those factors, he got off to a little bit of, not horribly, but a little bit of a slow start. Uh, ironically, even though the Islanders were doing pretty good, Early on, and all their numbers were much better than last year. He was a minus player, uh, and and ironically, he was like the one of the few only plus players in the debacle of last year. But it's kind of all clicked for him since this streak started. And yep. you know, there there was a point in early December. I think he had like three or like three goals. I think he ended in right. December with only like three goals, and now you know he has That's like correct. thirteen goals. Yeah, and. Um, uh he's I think he has almost a point per game, He's going to the all star game. So uh and you know, he made a big he was the catalyst for their uh uh the game winner last night on a Josh Bailey deflection. So uh um yeah, no, it, it, it looks like he Tronx is helping him.
0: What? Oh, Chris, did we lose you?
1: Saying I'm here.
0: Okay, you kind of cut out for a second. Anyway, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and bring in J.D. Uh, Jeff Duarte is the NHL editor for CaliSportsNews.com. Uh You can follow him on Twitter at J.D. Styles underscore. That is J-D-S-T-Y-L-Z underscore. Jeff, man, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Thank you for coming back on the show, and I'm glad to hear you're doing good.
2: And finally, J.D. Yes, Styles. Aka Jeff Duarte from CaliSportsNews.com, dot com is back on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Mark and Chris, thanks for bringing me back on the show. And what the heck took you guys so long to do so? Jeez.
0: Oh, come on now. We we, we needed you on. We needed you on back when there was something positive to say about the Kings, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was my bad. It was my bad. But thanks for not having even me back, bad, guys. sir.
0: Not even bad. We're happy to have you. So, here's my theory, Jeff. Um, back in November, I told Chris that if if the Kings are going to have a bad season, and 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 they are having a bad season, they needed to lose these games. Being who they are, I think the biggest problem in LA is they have an identity problem. And they have players like Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar coming off a career season. (coughs) Excuse me, Jeff Carter, (coughs) Drew Doughty. They've been in the system for, some of them, 10, 11, 12 years now. And they were trained from the time they were in Manchester or some of the younger guys in Ontario to play hockey a certain way. And that's the coach-sider style. And you can't turn that kind of a team that was drafted for 10 years that was drilled for 10 years, that was coached for 10 years, to be a powerful, grinded out, power forward, physical hockey team, sign Ilya Kovalchuk, bring in, you know, Brennan Leipzig, get rid of Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin, and think that you're going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Vegas Golden Knights style. Um you fired the coaches, you've changed philosophies, you've brought in a bunch of players that I didn't like any of those moves I just mentioned, obviously. And if you're going to lose, lose being who you are. Don't lose trying to be something that you're not. And it's not in the Kings' DNA to play that style of hockey. And I think it's being forced down these players' next. And I think you're seeing the results on the ice. Where am I wrong, Jeff?
2: Uh, you're not. You're not, Mark. <laughs> I agree. Um, there is a serious lack of identity. There's a lack of a plan of of what this team is trying to accomplish on the ice. And the way that the NHL is being played now, and uh, the NHL, like like what – What's successful and effective in the NHL changes so quickly now today than it used to back in the past that the Kings are really stuck between a rock and a hard place because they do have maybe half a team that is from a bygone era. And by bygone era, I mean like from four or five years ago. And they're trying to um, play this quicker, more – Faster game that you're, you know, you're seeing from the the more powerful teams now in the NHL, and they can't do it because you're right; it's not in their DNA for having those players. With that, Jake Kopitar and Dustin Brown, but there is two. There seems to be a lack of a game plan by Rob Blake, who doesn't really I think he wants to just retool the team a lot like what the Bruins did once they stopped making the playoffs and now they've come back and uh, in my opinion are contenders Uh, the Kings are nowhere near that because they're all over the place and have become like one of the most loose cannon teams in the NHL we're talking about a team that was number one defensively in the NHL just last season to one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL this season that's how fast things change today in the modern nhl so oh, if the kings want to fix this you know you can't bring in a 35 year old Ilya Kovachuk for six mil a year who hasn't played at the nhl level in five years how is that supposed to work you need players mm-hmm. that are fast you need players and, again, some of the best players on this Kings team, you know, most of them are over 30, and the NHL today is a young man's game. You're seeing a lot more players now retiring or even being forced into retirement because nobody's going to sign them at 32, 33, 34 years old, where back yep. in the day yep. you can play you can play to your late 30s, maybe even possibly into your 40s, with the exception of Yermar Yager, who, let's be honest, You know, these last few years of Yager, who's not even in the NHL anymore, really was more of a circus sideshow. It was like an attraction. You can say that you saw him. Obviously, he wasn't the superstar player that he was before in his prime, which he is. He'll be in the Hall of Fame and deservedly so. But once the playoffs hit, he played for Boston in the 2013 playoffs. So this is already going back what five years ago, whatever six years, whatever the case may be, and Yager could even score a goal in that playoff run. And Boston went all the way to the Stanley Cup final and played six games in the final, and Yager could even score because once the the checking got tighter, his age started becoming a disadvantage, right? So it's one thing to be good in the regular season; it's different in the playoffs. So you're looking at the Kings and you're looking at Dustin Brown, who is what 34 years old. You're looking at Jeff Carter who had a horrific injury, which was accidental, but a horrific injury last year. Made him miss three quarters of the season. Hasn't really been the same player since, though he hasn't been doing too bad in the last few games. He's 34 years old. You have Andre Kopitar at 31. You have Jonathan Quick at 32, or he just turned 33, and his reflexes are getting slower and slower, and he's getting more injury-prone. And these are the Kings' top core players. And another problem with the Kings is that the younger guys that they do have, there's no leadership from those guys. Where guys like Tyler Toffoli and before he got traded, Tanner Pearson, guys who got a taste of a Stanley Cup in 2014, never really became the next generation of leaders on that team. It's like the team doesn't know what direction they want to go. Willie yep. Desjardins, his coach, is really just there as a caretaker or a babysitter. I don't see him becoming the, the longtime coach after this season. And Rob Blake, we have to remember, and we've talked about it on his show, when Rob Blake took over the reins from Dean Lombardi, Rob Blake is a rookie general manager. And the honeymoon period of him being the GM, you know, for, which started last year, you know, that has ended. And now... You know, you got to look at him like, okay, well, what are you going to do, Blake? Because the retooling that you promised you were going to do, say, to Drew Doughty, which is one of the main reasons, one of many reasons, but one of the main reasons Drew Doughty re-signed with the Kings for another eight years, which kicks it next year, was the fact that they were still going to be competitive and get some more cracks at the Stanley Cup. But with this roster, that's not going to happen. So let I me, definitely um, agree. Yeah, go
0: ahead. Let, let, let me jump in with the, the – I. When they started talking about wanting to to move into the modern era of the NHL or whatever you want to call it, um, the Kings have always had a 2.2, 2.3 uh, goals for and a 2.1, 2.2 goals against. Stand by always, I mean, in, in the Stanley Cup edition of the Los Angeles Kings. Um, so they were always in 2-1, 3-2, uh, 1-0, 2-1 hockey games. And if they wanted to play a little faster and if they were going to be able to bump up their goals for to a 2.6, 2.7, and, you know, obviously you're going to sacrifice a little defense um, in that transition. But I think the biggest problem, we were just talking about the New York Islanders with Chris. Um, they have eight players that are already over 10 goals. And right now the Kings only have four with Kopitar, Brown, Carter, and follow. Um, and then, uh, uh, this is how bad it, it, it appears to me. The the, the the You have Ilya Kovalchuk with eight, right? Ryan Reeves has eight goals, which is more than Tyler Toffoli, Adrian oh, Kempe, okay. Drew yep. Dowdy, Brendan yep. Leipzig, yep. Um, Austin Wagner, and those, like you said, J.D., the, this is these are the guys that were supposed to step up and become leaders on this roster and and uh, and I'm not there's a big perception that Ryan Reeves is nothing but a knuckle dragger but the guy has skill and he can he's he plays sure. like 12 13 minutes a night on that fourth line which is instrumental for the for the Golden Knights um but that's an example of like you said the Ilya Kovalchuk signing hated it Eight goals you get out of him uh, and, and has been bounced off Kopitar's line for long stretches of the season. Um, and Ryan Reeves, fourth liner in Vegas, also eight goals. Tyler Toffoli scored 20 goals in this league. He's at seven. So if you're going to pick up the pace of your play and you're willing to take a few more chances to be a little bit more offensive, the, the second-tier scoring on this team, even the top-line scoring, let's face it, has um, got to come along with it and i think not knowing you know tr- the transition wise so part of the biggest problem with the kings is creating that transition and turning defense into offense um when you're trying to accelerate your play offensively um i think that to me illustrates the the main problem is that you're giving up that defensive identity but your offense has not taken the step to increase its its output either.
2: Right. And, and like you mentioned, the, the players that are in the double digits with goals, Andre Kopitar, Justin Brown, Jeff Carter, those three right there are over 30 years old. Alex Aya follows in his second uh, uh, season of his NHL career. And he's got 10. Where the heck is Tyler Toffoli? Where the heck is Adrian Kempe? Like, these guys need to be sworn. Absolutely. Uh, in, the, in the defense of um, an Austin Wagner, he's young. He's still developing. At least he's quick. I mean, the kid the kid has speed. He just has problems finishing. Toffoli's having problems finishing. And he didn't just score 20 goals in this league. He also hit 30 at one point. So, so he, like, there's a major decline there in production. And and yes, the the only thing that's keeping the Kings, I guess, in the games that they have been in, and of course I'm talking about a team that's near the bottom of the league, is the top line. And what's been one of the main problems of this of this franchise in the last couple of the year, the uh, last couple of years, they can't score goals. And Kopitar and Brown are the only consistent ones. So they're on the top line, and whoever plays with them seems to not play that bad with them. Kovalchuk has woken up a bit, a little bit, because now he's playing with them. Not a lot, but he's playing with them. Iofalo plays very well with them, even though he usually doesn't rack up points, but he opens up space for Kopitar and Brown uh, to get in there. And even at at best, Kopitar and Brown's numbers are average overall in the league. Like, it's nothing to really uh, celebrate for. Normally, the Kings have uh, problems scoring in their bottom six, which they still do, but now they have problems scoring in you know like their their, third, uh, their second, third, and fourth lines with their top line just being average, and they're not even that great defensively like they used to be, so it's just red flags everywhere. There's a lot of young guys who you still need to develop their playing like a Wagner, like a Matloff. you know Brunzinski's been injured, I'm sure he'll be back in there soon enough. Um, Lipsick, huh, man. You know, I wasn't big on him. Kovalchuk, to me, has been a complete disaster, and I thought that once they signed him. But we need also goals from the blue line. Like, Dowdy has 22... I'm sorry, Dowdy has 26 points. You know, fair enough. He's third on the team in points. uh, A minus 14, but four goals, that's it. Like, we need more goals. Buzzin is actually playing very well. He's an analytical darling. This is probably the best he's played in the last couple of years. Uh, Martinez has been in and out of the lineup because of injuries but he only has three goals and he's played 31 games they need goals and with the players that they have they don't have it and and and, and the, the game velardis aren't playing with this team yet if he ever plays because of his back injury you know the anderson dolans aren't ready yet like those guys aren't ready uh kupari's not ready yet they're not ready to come in there and do anything because they still they're still too young and need to develop carl Hagelin is a rental let's be honest and uh, there's really nothing here on this team that's going to help spike that offense. And who are the Kings going to trade to bring into the team to help push them make maybe make a, a miracle run to the playoffs like Anaheim did two seasons ago? I don't well, see with that, that
0: happening. With that, let me bring in Chris because I know he, he we're, we're really starting to look at the trade deadline heavy. And he has a couple questions he wanted to get to um, regarding – what may or may not be moved out of L.A., and what some of the prices might be on those players. Chris?
1: Hey, J.D., it's great to hear your voice again. Great to talk to you. So, uh, so my first question is, is Rob Blake going to go the retooling route where he's going to say, All right, I'll move Hanlon and Nate Thompson, my pending UFAs, and maybe uh, I'll get a decent deal for Tyler Foley and cut bait with him. Or will he rebuild and do those moves plus trade a Jeff Carter, who I think could find uh, he could get a, uh, a solid return for from, let's say, a Boston Bruins team who needs another scorer? And then, as we just highlighted in our segment before, how the market uh, that's going to be for the trade deadline, there is no, very little defenseman available. Uh, right. I think he would do very well for a Jake Muzzin or an Alec Martinez. Uh, and and go more of the full blown rebuild route. So what say you? Do you think Blake will retool or rebuild?
2: Rob Blake. I'm going to be honest, and I think you guys, you know, might agree with me. Rob Blake is a very hard guy to read as the general manager of this team. Uh, but I do believe, and I'll use that Drew Dowdy, his uh, his contract extension uh, by the Kings re-signing him, the promise that. Blake was given to Doughty. What was music to Doughty's ears to resign was the fact that Blake had told them that they're pretty much going to retool because they want to stay competitive. They want to keep the court together and bring in the right players so they can get another run at the Stanley Cup and go deep into the playoffs at least. And th- this season has been an absolute complete disaster. That's obviously not going to be the case. So what happens now? Does Blake try to keep his promise? Does he stubbornly try to retool the team? And like you're saying, move guys like Hagelin, who's not going to be re-signed anyways. He's a USA. Uh, uh Nate Thompson, who's already like deep in his 30s. And I, and I like Nate Thompson, but you can, might be able to get something, something for him. Uh, Jake Muzzin. And you guys know I've been talking about this uh, the last few times I've been on the show for the last two years and I've written about it ad nauseum uh, for Cali sports is the fact that we're coming down to Muzzin or Martinez are going to be shipped out because the Kings could get something in return. And right now the, the hotter commodity is obviously Jake Muzzin, who I think is having an excellent year. Uh, they can definitely bring people in here, but why though? For what? If they're going to retool, right? If they're going to retool, what's going to be the result of that? Because the Kings are still going to have problems scoring, Are the Kings going to try to get a Wayne Simmons, you know? Uh, Can they afford him? Are the Kings going to try to get a Matt Duchesne? I don't think they can afford him. They couldn't afford Max Petcheretti and that deal was pretty close, but the the Kings are so strapped with the cap, they couldn't bring him in. Uh, Jeff Carter, I'm hearing, you know, I've heard from some sources that Jeff Carter is threatening to retire, if uh, the Kings decide to trade him, and I guess it, it would depend on what team they're trading him to. But I think Boston would be a good fit, and Carter would help them out. And Carter, there's, there's still things that Carter can do. But it, it, Rob Blake is very hard to read. The original plan was to retool. But I'm thinking, I'm feeling, and from what I'm hearing, is that, you know what, it's either, a, and as we know, like in life, it's adapt or die. And the Kings are dying. The Kings are dying. So there, I think there is actually no choice but to do a full rebuild. And I truly feel that the only two players that are safe from a trade, whether it's in a couple of weeks with the trade deadline or it's going to be during the offseason, there's going to be some major changes on this team, like maybe even like 12 players heading out from the Kings. And the only two players that I think are safe are Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty. I think everybody I else is fair. I think everybody else is fair game. Carter, Dustin Brown, Dustin Brown, who was washed up and burnt out and was stripped of the captaincy and had three miserable, horrible, terrible, invisible years after 2014, had a major comeback last year, and that's one thing that a Kings fans can at least thank John Stevens for. Dustin Brown is back. Dustin Brown is one of the most consistent players on on the Kings this season as well. They might be yep. able to get something for them. There's going to be a team out there looking for veteran experience, a guy who's a leader, you know, they might look at Dustin Brown. So for the first time in years, they might be able to to get rid of Brown, which I love Dustin Brown. And and, and you guys know me very well. And I know that my readers and a lot of our listeners from Kings, uh, Kings Road Talk are listening in here. They know where I stand. The ro- the romantic in me, the longtime diehard Kings fan in me, wants to see Brown, Kopitar, Dowdy, Carter, uh, Martinez, uh, and Quick retire as LA Kings. But I'm also a realist, and I know hockey's a business. That's not going to happen. That's not realistic. Right. So Jeff Carter to be shipped out. I think Jonathan Quick to be shipped out. He's 32 years old or 33 years old now. I mean, he's a Conspite Trophy winner. He has, he's also a leader in the locker room. Right? What more can he provide for the LA Kings? He owns every record in Kings history. They can still get something for Quick, say, maybe in the offseason. Philadelphia, I'm sure, is looking for goalies. Aren't they always looking for goalies? There's teams, <laughs> out, there that, that, there's teams out there that might want someone like Quick who can still maybe give a couple, of, uh, a couple of good seasons out there because the Kings, one thing we can say about the Kings, I am very impressed with the play of Jack Campbell who leads the NHL with save percentage at 932. He had a hell of a game the other night against Dallas. I'm very impressed with Cal Peterson, right? Maybe it's time for the young guys to come in. It's time for Austin Wagner and Matt Luff to be on the team regularly. It's time to make room for Daniel Brickley. Resign him, bring him up. It's time uh, when Dave Filardi finally heals, if he heals, for him to make this team. It's time for the young guys to start playing and start moving the other guys. So Martinez... Um, Jack Campbell, I'm sorry, not Jack Campbell, Jonathan Quick, everyone except Dowdy and Kopitar are, you know what, they're game to be traded. And I can see major moves to Foley as well. Major moves going out, and we're going to see a younger NHL team. And we're going to see see the old ways of the heavy Daryl Sutter-style hockey of the Kings that pretty much ended in 2016 anyways. Because I always thought that was at the end of that season, that's when the window closed for the Kings to get a shot at the Stanley top. Like that's when I stopped fooling myself thinking that they had another shot. I think it has to be a rebuild. And I think if Rob Blake is an intelligent GM, which I question, when he got Ilya Kovalchuk, <laughs> you know, huh. um, you have to rebuild in order to make this team effective. And of course, uh, the dark ages are now. We have the dark ages after the nineteen ninety three Stanley Cup final appearance by the Kings. We had dark ages after the major collapse in the two thousand six season that lost the jobs of Dave Taylor as GM and Andy Murray's head coach. We the dark ages aren't coming back to the Kings. We're in it now. We saw it in twenty fifteen. We saw it in twenty seventeen. We got blown out by the Sharks in five, and we lost to an expansion team. No offense, guys. The Vegas Golden Knights in a four game sweep, sure one goal games. And let's not forget, John the Quick was amazing in that series, and and that was only like half half a year ago, but he was the only one that was amazing in that series for the Kings. So this team does – it hurts me. I don't want to see Carter leave. I don't want to see Muzzin leave. I don't want to see Quick leave. I, I don't want to see Dustin Brown leave. But if this team is going to survive, what choice do they have? Rob Blake has to rebuild.
1: You know, J.D., uh, i got one more for you before I hand you back to Mark to finish up. And uh, what jumps out to me from listening to you two guys uh, here is, and uh, it's something I've said about the Kings for the last little while, is their incredible uh, lack of depth. And that's what's strangling them between guys like Kempe and even Foley, who has had some good years and hasn't been able to keep it up. Uh, They do have a couple of kids in the pipeline that they're excited about, but they're not here yet, and it's not like they got seven or eight of them knocking on the door. Uh, so even when they get here, they will still be rookies. I just don't see, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see how Rob Blake in the next year or two can think that this problem is going to be solved. And, and, oh, by the way, I haven't uh, examined uh, their their cap space number, but I don't think it's still pretty good because, like you said, Dowdy's new number kicks in last, uh, next year. Kovachuk still has a couple more years to go. So they don't yes. really have a lot of caps, and yeah, they don't really have a lot of cap space. So I, I just don't know. Even if the, even if the Browns and the Carters and the Muzzins and all those guys play well, and by the way, I think both Muzzin and Martinez only have, are signed through next year at four million dollar cap number, and then their numbers will rise. I don't see how this formula can work, uh, and just chalk it off like, well, we had a bad year, we'll get them next year. I, I don't see with the uh, lack of depth in there, both on the main roster and what's co- and what's in the pipeline. I, I don't see how this can, they can figure out a formula for this to work in the next year or so. I mean, am I wrong?
2: No, no, you're not wrong. It, it can't, it can't work, and it's not working. And we're seeing it this year; it's not working. You know, some of the depth issues is, of course, you know, some very, very bad trades. That uh, uh, former GM Dean Lombardi did, where he was uh, trading a lot of prospects, first-round draft picks, for trades that did not pan out. For example, like we're still suffering, and we, as if I'm part of the team, uh, you know, from the Milan Lucic trade, where where they, we know oh. Jones was, wasn't going to stay. You know, there was there was the threat of offer sheets being thrown at him. And he wanted to be, he, like, it was no secret he wanted to be a number one goalie. So he got traded to Boston, you know, who, uh, you know, threw him over to San Jose. But they also gave up a first-round draft pick and defenseman Colin Miller. Like, way too much for a one-year rental and Milan Lucic. Uh, the Sakara/ slash secret trade that's was That's what really I was going
0: to say, too. But, yep. was, was really By the bad, way, you know?
1: I, I don't mean to interrupt, JD. That first-round draft pick wasn't just any first-round draft pick. That was the 13th pick in the 2015 Super Draft. And I can yep. tell you, like, for instance, at 13, like, for instance, Kinecki went in the 20s. Kyle Connor went in the high teens. Barzell went at 16. Brock Bessner was in that draft. He went, like, 22. There were some killer players on the board at 13. Uh, so uh, that, was, that was not just your normal first-round draft pick. That was a, that was a prize pick.
2: Well, well, when you stab me with that Thanks, type Chris. of knife, Chris, I would appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Appreciate I would it, buddy. Appreciate when you stab that's me been, with that type of knife, I would appreciate it. That's been it. Chris it, Lisa from the Vegas well. Hockey
0: Podcast. <laughs> We're going to let him go now. <laughs> oh, I'm really happy.
2: God. You know, I really would prefer. I can take a stab or two. I'm an adult. I can take it. Uh, I've suffered through the dark ages of Kings hockey for pretty much my entire life. Uh, but when you twist it so the wound doesn't heal quickly, that hurts, my friend. That hurts. But you are, you are, you, you <laughs> I, are correct. I, I felt like it needed no. to be
1: pointed out, yeah.
2: You're 100% correct. And as I, as I was stating before, it, you know, it can't work. A retool just won't work. Because let's let's look at who the Kings do have down in the pipeline. Uh, a couple of guys are playing on the team right now, like an Austin Wagner and a Matt Love. Two guys I really like. I am so impressed with a guy like Sean Walker. You know, I mean, he's 24 years old. He's not that old, but, uh, you know, gaining the NHL experience. I want to see him play more. I want to see Gabe Velarde get healthy and come and play. I like, I like Matt Roy. I, I like Rasmus Kupari, who just helped Finland win the World Junior Gold Medal just earlier this month. i like to see Brickley play regularly in the NHL, because he's a little older as well. I want to see Matt Love. Luff- uh, and Wagner both play at the same time, not one at a time like coach interim coach Desjardins has been putting them in there. I want to see those guys do that. I want to see Kale Clay come up and play. But you're right. In order for these guys you to want, do you that – You want to
1: see Jack Hughes?
2: I want. Well, you know what? Maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't. Um, you know who I like? Capo Caco. <laughs> you know? I know it doesn't <laughs> – I know it doesn't sound as good as hashtag lose for use, which I think is ridiculous. Anyways, I have too much pride as a fan to just lose right. to just so you can up the odds of winning the lottery for the number one draft pick, which is yeah, not and guaranteed. And exactly, yeah, you only have a twenty
1: percent right? chance.
2: Exactly, right?
1: Yeah,
2: it's not like back in the day, like way back in the day, where if you are the team with the least points, you do get that number one draft pick. That's not guaranteed. But I I do like Kaka. If we get Hughes, I won't won't complain. But but Chris, you hit the nail on the head with that knife that you stabbed me with. That uh, (laughs) these guys, it's going to take years for these guys to develop and, and be effective players in the NHL, which is why Blake needs to do a rebuild, which you can do that with these young guys and bring them up. You can't do it by bringing in older players. And the core players are now old. I mean, Dustin Brown and Kopitar are producing. Jeff Carter is now starting to produce. But how much longer really is Brown and Carter going to be in the NHL? They're both 34. Isn't that now around the I... average of when players retire in today's NHL? And to answer your other question, the Kings are actually fifth uh, in, in cap space and they only have like a little under $90,000 of cap space right now. And that's without doubt he's eleven million a year contract kicking in next season. So there's not a good, you know, there's already not a lot of room to maneuver anyways. So it has to be a rebuild.
1: I, and real quick before I let you go to Mark, I just make a comment. I think they could do get something pretty darn good for Carter. I think they could do really good for Muzzin because he's not just starting for this year but next year yes. at four million. And even though Martinez is, you know, not having his best year and he's been injured a bit, as long as he's healthy now and teams think he's healthy, I think they can get some good assets. So when you pile all those three things up and 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 then get all those future assets, that could add up to a nice little haul.
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know what? I would like this. This is what I would like to see. And maybe Mark disagrees. Maybe you disagree, Chris, and maybe some listeners disagree. But because of the way things are going, retooling is not working. Right, We can all agree, it's not working. And what's the definition of insanity, right? Trying to do the same thing over and over again without getting any results from it. We can't keep retooling this way. It's not going to work. It has to be a rebuild. But what I would like to see is if they do move a Jeff Carter, if they do move uh, Jake Muzzin, if they move Kovalchuk, and let's not forget about Dion Phaneuf, people. You know, this is how bad Dion Phaneuf is playing with the Kings, that I forget he's on the Kings. I forget that he's there. Yeah, and yeah, the Kings, I think you're stuck the, with that guy, uh, my friend. The, the Kings good are point. paying five point two with Ottawa taking some, like what two mil or something off that contract. I mean, getting of was a miracle wow. because the Kings had to offload Marion Gabrick, right? So, so there was a celebration of wow, Blake was able to get rid of Gaborik because what was the stigma? The Kings couldn't get rid of Gaborik or Justin Brown because of those contracts, and they were both underperforming players. Brown is now performing. Uh, they got rid of Gaverick and they got Faneuf who did the same thing he did when he left Toronto and went to Ottawa uh, that first year with Ottawa he played great it was like a, a breath of fresh air getting away from uh, the fishbowl of Toronto and they were what a goal post away of making the Stanley Cup final uh, was it back in 2017 I believe when he was playing for Ottawa and uh, almost went to the Stanley Cup final they went to the conference finals when he got traded to LA last season he, he was playing great right away. Now he's invisible. That's what he does. That's his pattern. Are they stuck with him? Sure. Hey, remember, we thought the the, the Kings would be stuck with Gabber too, but but somebody picked him up. There might be a, a team out there that might want a Funnel. I doubt it. But that's a guy that, yeah, that yeah. is that is stuck. I would rather see Funnel get paid 5.2 by the Kings and sit on the bat or sit up in the stands so we can let some of the younger guys come and play. But I would like to see these trades be happen. But if not, you know if they happen, what I want to return, I want prospects. I want draft picks. That's what I want. Right. That's what the Kings have lost in the last few seasons. Let's get that back. You want to do a proper retool, that's the assets I want returned. You want to Jake Muzzin? I was hearing the other day, I think it was Pierre... Was it Pierre LeBron or pure Maguire? Le- McGuire I I can't remember right now, but one of them said that I guess the rumor was LA was asking for if if people want Jake Buzzett, they want a first round draft pick and a prospect. You know? Makes if that's sense. true or not. Yeah. You know what? I want that for all of them. If if Boston wants Carter, well, give us some draft picks. Give a who's your top guy in the farm? You know, if the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking for, and this is, I think this, in, in in my opinion, the Leafs are contenders. If you talk to anyone here, and if people don't know, I live in Canada. I'm about an hour away from Toronto, so I'm stuck here in Leaf Nation, surrounded. Family, friends, coworkers by diehard Lee fans who are already celebrating their Stanley Cup and having their parade. That they're almost hostile around me because I'm a Kings fan, and now all of a sudden they're upset about '93 again. You know, because now they think they're they're the catch meow. I mean, I still think they're uh, a piece away from really making damage, and that piece. I mean, this season. Who knows next season? Because they still got to resign or. Choose between Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and is Gardner coming back or not? Probably not. Who knows? But they need someone on the blue line that can lead those young guys, that can lead that Morgan Riley stuff. Jake Buzzin would be a good fit. You know? So who are yeah, the Leafs, I think... like? Who, who are their top prospects for the Toronto Marlies? Let's get that guy and give us a draft pick. You know? Why not?
0: I, what about. So, that? Well, I think Nylander was signed to be traded. What do you do with uh, Muzzin for a Nylander, and they retain enough salary to fit uh, him under the Kings cap long-term? That is um, a piece that I think would improve, obviously, the Kings' top six.
2: It, it would. It would definitely. And uh, I've watched Neilander play live many times, including when he was with the Marlies at the American Hockey League All-Star Game. And I remember for the skills competition, he was off to the side just playing with the puck, talking to, you know, fellow hockey players. And he was like doing these amazing things with the stick. Like his hands, his creativity is top-notch. The only thing I have with Neilander is his attitude. It is his attitude. And like we thought a lot when it came to him negotiating with his contract when he was sitting out that uh it's like oh i don't know if we need that type of guy in la but he is a guy that if he's motivated and he's not distracted by you know the many distractions you can have by playing in california because there's so much going on down there the beautiful weather and uh, you know there's so many things to do and see and the celebrity factor um i don't know if uh He's. I don't think, I don't know if he's ever 100% focused when he plays, you know. And, and that worries me about him. It doesn't worry me when he plays for the Leafs because I don't care, right? <laughs> but I do see him as. I do see him as trade bait. And i actually. I was actually surprised that Toronto re-signed him. I thought they were going to trade him and try to get a defenseman in. I thought that was the perfect opportunity, so that way they didn't have to make the choice between him and Marner or him and Matthews. And I think if Matthews is gone, there's going to be riots over here because you have no idea, guys. You have no idea how obsessed Toronto fans are with Austin Matthews, even over Mitch Marner. And I think, man, Mitch Marner—that's a guy I would love to have on the LA Kings, <laughs> you know. Yeah. but he—he uh, ain't, go- he ain't, 31 go- he ain't other going nowhere. Too. But you know what? If they want Muzzin and we get a, a top prospect from uh, from the Marlies or we get a Neilander and a draft pick or something like that, you know what? Why not? Why not?
1: I agree. No, it's a good, it's a good fit. And keep in mind, if the Leafs give up their first round pick and one of their top prospects, uh, you know their first round picks in the just like the Bruins. Let's just say, use those two teams. And not that you can't find a good player in in this range, but their first round picks in the twenties. It's a lot easier to digest trading your first round pick when you're in the twenties versus you know the sixth overall or you know whatnot. So uh, I think, and and in the case of Musson. It would get him not just for this year, but for next year. And he has a small right. cap number, which is something that's a very it's big thing on. for them, given their yep. given their caps. So, I think muzzin' to the Leafs makes so much sense. Just a question of, you know, what the two sides feel that the appropriate value is.
2: Right. Correct. Yes. Agreed. Well, JD,
0: I think. Um, unless Chris has something else, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. The Kings Colorado game just tipped off for Kings fans. Um, still no score. A uh, couple minutes in, Colorado hasn't scored on him yet, so that's an encouraging sign. <laughs> Jeff, let, if let if everybody could, know where they can find your stuff and um,
2: I, when your next article comes out. If I could just add one more thing, Mark, be, uh, be very yes, very sir? quick. Speaking of Colorado, who the Kings are playing, uh, I think that's the team. You need to watch out for it during the draft because don't they have Ottawa's number one draft pick? They do. Yep. Yeah. So and it's going it to be, be a great, good one. Wouldn't it be great That's if the Kings if the Kings traded somebody to Colorado so we could get that draft pick? I think that would be amazing. I don't. It wouldn't happen. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's. I don't probably, think that draft pick's available. Uh, no, probably not. But you know what? I could dream, Chris. Stop taking away my dreams. Why do you hate <laughs> dreams so much, Chris? Why do you hate dreams?
1: Uh, hey, look, yeah, I want right. to the Power Bowl, too, but yeah. it's not happening. Well,
0: hey, if Rob Blake called Colorado and said, "I'll give you to Foley and Muzzin for that pick," I think he'd be gone. Anything is possible.
2: Anything is possible. But guys, yeah, thank you again for having me on the show, man. I miss talking hockey to you guys with you guys. And uh, you know uh, things are going a lot better. I had some health issues and everything for actually for the last six months or so. I am back to normal. Whenever you guys want me on, you know I'm going to be on because I could talk hockey with you guys all day, every day for weeks on end. And everyone can find me at Kelly Sports News at JD Styles underscore on Twitter. JDSTYLZ underscore. Don't forget the underscore. You can find my work at News dot com. And I just released a couple of articles for the first time in a few months due to health issues I haven't even been able to write. And it just feels so good, not just being here talking hockey, but to write about hockey again, even though I'm writing about a disastrous LA Kings team in season. But I'll probably have another article ready to go next week. And, Mark, I'm going to be bringing back something, a project that you were helping me with that I wasn't able Uh to release. It's going to be the greatest top 10 defenseman in LA Kings franchise history. Look nice. for that to come up too. And, Mark, I'll be giving you a message so we can talk about that again just as a refresher. So, everyone, look out Love for that. To.
0: Love to. I was waiting for that to come out, and then you went through your health thing. And, and I'm glad that you're finally healthy enough to get pick that back up because, you know what, honestly, it's going to be better to read that than another uh, op-ed on how bad <laughs> the Kings are this year. <laughs> Agreed, brother. Agreed. <laughs> All right, my man. We'll let you go. Stay, stay warm up there, and uh, we will talk to you soon, sir.
2: Okay, you too, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, JD.
0: All right, Jeff Duarte, Cali Sports News. Always, always high energy. Always well informed, and, and just to just to be able to talk to him again without um, what he what he's been going through uh, getting in the way is, is is a treat for me, sir.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and just to put a bow on it, uh, it's just it's hard for Rob, for me to believe that, based on everything we just talked about, from from a ten thousand foot uh, viewpoint to you know watching the games day in and day out, that he doesn't know that he's got to flip the switch. I know it's not a, sw- uh, a, a switch you want to flip, but you know what, this is this is what happens in sports. And, uh, you know, they yeah. they had a, a tremendous run, they won two Stanley Cups. Unfortunately, you know, they made some moves, some of which didn't work out, um, some of which, you know, they didn't uh, in terms of trade, some of which uh, the drafting uh, hasn't worked out. And then the, the cap, as uh, everyone else has to get paid more. And then, you know, in a cap sport, you know, you're going to wind up with where they, it where they, and everyone gets a little bit older you're going to wind up where they're at. And, uh, it's been, you know, any team would sign up for what they've been through for the last number of years to go through that, that, uh, that, that road. So now they need to just take the next step in their, Bite um, the bullet. franchise's history. Bite, Bite the, the bullet, bullet for, you know, obviously the bullet has been bitten this year, right? I mean, it's <laughs> not like, it's not like, we, it's not like you're going to make cause more pain. And, you know, right. that, that, making those moves uh, between now and the deadline that we talked about will probably mean they'll be bad next year too, okay? Uh, but, you know, if you're bad this year, you're going to get a hell of a player in the draft if they pick first or fifth or wherever the heck it is, and there'll probably be something similar next year. And then those other kids will be uh, that they've drafted within the last couple of years will be on the team by then, and, the, and they'll have two other top kids at least, uh, you know, joining the fray and who knows, maybe they'd get a Jack Hughes. Uh and, you know, you're often and running and uh building the next uh next wave of Great Kings hockey. I think that's how you ha I, I just don't find it hard to believe that he he can see it any other way.
0: No, I agree. Um that's that's what I think. I, I think one thing in the um Dave Taylor era was that he did too much of the Trying to bring in mid-level depth players and overestimated the impact that they were going to have going forward, and they didn't. They drafted well. I mean, there's still the the players we're talking about trading out now were drafted back in the day by Dave Taylor. A lot of them, Um, but the the uh, the secondary moves when you're when you're making a trade for a pick or a prospect or moving up in the draft or whatever um i this this team as jd said the, the copies 34 brownies 34 and they've played a lot of hockey in the last decade and it's been a very physical brand of hockey in the last decade <clears throat> they're not a piece away they're not two pieces away they're not four no. pieces away um and i i think it's it, it, if rob blake wants to extend his tenure And, I mean, you you could tell your fans that it's time to do this. We're not giving up on the goal of commitment to being competitive, but we're moving on from the last group of people that we made competitive. And with the style change has to come personnel change and DNA change. Until they swallow that pill... And understand that that's what they have to do. And like you said, we're at a 10,000-foot view. I'm an electrician talking hockey. You know what I mean? But until this team decides, makes that conscious decision that Kobitar's not available, Dowdy's not available, pick up the phone on anybody else. And hard bargain it. Carter's a good piece. Brownie can be a nice piece on a team. Um if you could get Chuck back on the market, you could get a nice return from Muzzin. Um, if you don't get a nice return from Muzzin, I I, I think he should be in the almost
2: oh, yeah. untradeable. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but, but I wouldn't trade him for the, the sake Thompson,
0: of The Hagelin, yeah. the Kovalchuk, anybody, make me an offer. Pick up the phone. And, and Until time they time make that on. conscious decision and plan for three or four years down the road instead of three or four minutes down the road, then I think the Kings are going to be stuck right where they are.
1: Yeah, they're going to be a team to follow between now and the deadline because I think I think they're the team that could really be a mover and a shaker with, with a lot of these players. And um, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I so I, I don't have a good feel of what Blake uh, wants to do. Clearly, clearly, I will say to make this last point by signing Kovacchuk, who was 35, to a three-year deal. Now, granted, it wasn't a six-year deal, but it to a three-year deal at six point whatever it was, two million. He thought that his team was still very in the mix of being a playoff team and then once getting there to be a team to, to reckon with. Uh, clearly, this, this season has shown that that is not the case. But the fact that he made that move, though, gives you an indication of what he thought of his team. You don't sign a 35-year-old who hasn't played in the NHL for a few years. Granted, he was playing very well in the KHL. Who can still help in certain regards to a three-year, $18-plus 1000000 contract unless you feel like, oh, yeah, we, we still have a couple more bikes at the Apple. So, you know, has he learned from that, or is he still thinking that?
0: Yeah, yeah time's going to tell, sir. Time is going to tell. Yeah. Well, what's on tap for I next
1: Next week we got Russ Cohen coming in to talk uh, the Flyers and what's gone wrong with them this year and also to get his thoughts on the World Junior Championship in terms of the top prospects who performed there from last year's draft and the ones who are going to be in this year's draft. So we'll get a couple of thoughts on that as well.
0: All right, and it's always good to have him on the show. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You can find Chris's stuff on the Islanders over at ionislesfs.com. Um, always good stuff from Chris on there. You can follow him on Twitter for that Islanders content at the NL King. Um, and, uh, of course, follow us on Twitter at VegasHockeyPod. P- um Go over to Russ Cohen's Sportsology page. We have our show on there, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and anywhere. Any, any podcaster you have will pick up the show. We appreciate you guys coming along for the show. So that's going to do it for this week for Chris on Mark, and we're gone. <laughs>